Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Not Your Everyday MMA podcast. This is episode five. My name is Alex Henry, and I'm with Tori Habril. Listen, we got a lot to talk about in this podcast. Our last podcast, we talked about UFC 279. The wrong UFC 279, I mean. And great views. Appreciate all the views. Welcome to our new subscribers. But all of our predictions for the top three fights didn't happen. Uh, so close. Yeah. yeah, not even close. So we're going to talk about all the drama surrounding UFC 279, what we kind of thought about it. And then we'll be talking about San Hagen's fight night versus Song Yudong. So stick around for that. And then we have our top five at the end. So, Tori, I'm going to throw it over to you because I remember I kind of broke the news to you off rip. I was like, Tori, Dana just got off live. We got a new set of fights. What was what was your initial reaction when you when you heard about this? Well, when I first saw it, I hadn't been on my phone all day. I had been working and I just I hadn't checked. And so as far as I knew, Hamza was still fighting Nate, whatever. The card was still the same. And you had texting me. You had texted me and I was like, no joke, mouth on the floor. What the hell is happening? Because I kind of saw on Instagram for a second, but I was like, oh, haha, it's probably just like an account saying what if da da da. Oh no, it was it was very real. Um, it was insane. I'm kind of happy it turned out the way it did. Same. And I mean, overall, it was it was a great card. It was a very very amazing card. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have wanted the card any other way, uh, for sure. So we'll get into the the fights. We'll talk about the ones that changed. Uh, Daniel Rodriguez versus Jing Liang Li. Uh, that fight got switched around, and Lee was at a disadvantage weight wise by ten pounds because Daniel Rodriguez was fighting for a catch weight. So that was interesting, and it was a really good fight. I mean, I it's exactly what I would have thought it would have been. Just pure yeah. striking match yeah and with that being said i thought lee won and not that only that good, yeah. like it, he threw more strikes he did yeah and i mean the second the second they stepped on the octagon because i had to watch the fight later after i got home from work so i was kind of behind on everything but always make sure i always put my phone do not disturb don't open any social media so i make sure nothing is spoiled but i got home and i was starting to watch his fight and the second they stepped in i'm like what is going on leech yeah. looked like he had cut weight he looked like he went through the weight cutting process they looked like two completely different weight classes which they kind of were and daniel looked pudgy i mean i'm not saying like he's a pudgy guy but i'm just saying he looks like healthy he looks like he has some chunk whereas leech looks sure. like a thin noodle and just looked like he cut weight and i'm like how is this possible right now and the leech actually held on very good i thought he put more output Maybe the one thing that they could argue is that his strikes didn't have as much of an, of an effect or as much volume right. as D-Rod's, right. but I still thought he put out way more output than D-Rod, and I thought for sure he was taking that fight by UD, and I was so excited. I was on the edge of my seat, and then they called D-Rod's name, and I was like, oh, I was I was shocked. Yeah, and you know it's always a, a big deal when Dana goes out of his way to mention that he disagrees, because I'm sure Dana disagrees on a lot of fights, probably. But he, he'll go out of his way every now and then and say, yeah, I had it different than the judges did on my scorecard. And I felt bad. I felt bad for Lee oh, just horrible. in general the whole week. You know, this is old news, but bought a new suit, was ready for that, that co-main card. 
And then he yeah. gets stuck fighting a guy that's way heavier than him that he didn't train for. 1,000%. And, I mean, he got robbed of a, of a co-main spot against Tony Ferguson, the biggest fight of his career, probably other than the Hamzat fight. I don't know if that affected his pay. It might have. Mm-hmm. And also, it's just – it was really his week to shine. You know, he's never been in a co-main event with a name this big because at the time Hamzat's name wasn't as known as, as it is now. And it's just, it's sad to see. But I mean, he 1000% gained a lot more fans this weekend. People were by his side. They were defending him. But I'm also not downplaying D-Rod. He also took the fight on short notice, was also preparing for a completely different opponent, one that he'd wanted to fight before but couldn't. So he also did what he had to do in the octagon. And also, good for him. He got the win, but I'm just going to have to disagree with the judges on this one. Yeah, I, I'm 100% with you. Somebody else I kind of felt bad for, it's our actual co-main event. My boy, Kevin Holland, got stuck against Hamzat Shemaev in the co-main. And we saw a Darce choke, which is a pretty pretty lethal submission. Uh, I, he, Hamzat didn't get hit again. Another fight, Hamzat didn't get hit and just went straight for wrestling. He missed a shot. It's like he said Khabib wrestling who? Like he he took chain wrestling to a whole yeah. new level. 100%. Yeah. And he got the win. What 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 do you have to make out of this fight? I mean, now as an MMA fan, it's just it's like losing respect for a fighter because before he was the bad guy, but it was almost kind of like he just talked like he still does. He speaks the truth. He literally dominates everyone. But as an MMA fan, it's just, it's hard to respect a fighter when, first of all, they miss weight by that much and the way he acted towards it. Yeah, so and let's, let's talk about that. So what do, you, yeah. what do you think about him coming in overweight? You know, he, he came in eight and a half pounds over. He gets a pound allowance, seven and a half pounds. And then doctors tell him after that he can't cut weight anymore. In my opinion... You know, if you're showing up that much overweight, I don't think you were ever going to be able to cut that weight to begin with. That's a lot of weight to cut. You know, people who want to say the doctors didn't let him. Sure, they didn't. I don't blame them. I wouldn't have let him either because that's an unhealthy amount of weight to try to cut in that short of time. And that's not that wasn't the reason, but that's my reason why I wouldn't. And I just I'm very upset about the weight. You know, I wrestled 12 years, never missed weight. And I cut, I cut, yeah, never missed weight. So it's like, you know, you and you, if you're missing weight by that much. You, you have to not be doing something. Something's missing within your camp, especially if you've made the weight before and you've successfully made it over and over. That's just ridiculous coming in eight pounds over. I mean, come on. You obviously weren't doing something correct in your camp before prior to fight week. Right. I had this conversation with a friend where he said, yo, yeah, you know, Hamzat's got to go up weight, got to go up weight. And I said, I mean, sure, that's an option, but I don't know if his problem was that he struggled to make weight more. So his problem was he didn't try to make weight because obviously he is a little bigger for his weight class at 170, but it's helped him. And he's really never struggled to make weight in the past, at least that much over. So did he struggle to make weight? Does he struggle to make weight and he has to bump up? Or was he just lazy? Oh, I got Nate Diaz? Yeah. I'll make weight. I'll be fine. I don't know. But either way, what you were getting at is how he portrayed himself as the villain, too, made it so much worse. You know, 
flaking off the media, talking mad trash that just didn't need to happen. You know, Kevin Holland was so respectful, and he's just dogging everybody. Yeah, and I mean, the real question right now is, does he go to middleweight, and does he stay there? Will he have success there, as much success as he does at welterweight? And it's just... How will he play on the future? Is he gaining more fans? Is he losing them? Or is he earning the respect or losing the respect? Right now, I truly believe he's losing the respect of the people. I mean, but then again, he comes out and he defends himself. He comes out on Saturday night and performs the way he does. It's sure. it's, it's just, it's like the evil Habib. It's like Angel Habib, evil Habib, just on your shoulder. It's just, it's so hard to like this guy, but it's so hard to almost disrespect him just because of how dominant he is in MMA. So it's just, it's like a tough situation for fans because they're like, do we love him? Do we hate him? Do we want to see more of him? Blah, 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 blah. Like, it's a confusing situation to to be in kind of for the MMA community. And what does Dana White do? Does he punish him? Like, you know, it's, there's a lot of questions with this. Yeah, there's a lot. You know, to answer your first one, does he move up to middleweight? Like, if he moves up, he's got to wait for the rematch with Edwards and Usman before he fights. That might not happen till yeah. January is what I'm hearing. And that's like even kind of early, I think. So I'm thinking more towards February that fight might happen. But who am I to say, right? But he's gonna have to wait, right? And he's ready to fight tomorrow if he needs to. Yeah, not one um, scratch, not one punch. Right. Yeah. So middleweight, he's got to wait to see how Pajeda Adesanya falls out, you know. And you know, obviously Pajeda wins, he's gonna get his rematch. So he's kind of in a sticky situation where he's kind of stuck either way. It's just, who does he want to prove himself against? And I think the fight to make is him and Colby. And finally, the MMA media world agrees with me. I've been saying this before his fight with Diaz even got booked. I was saying he should fight Colby. And now it hopefully will happen. Or if he went to middleweight, I think the fight for him is Robert Whitaker. But what does Hamza do? He goes out on media and he says, I like Robert Whitaker. I would never want to fight Robert Whitaker because he's a nice guy to me. So it makes me feel like maybe he's if, a little, maybe he's a little scared to go up and fight Robert. I think he's a little scared. I'm I think if he's not that type of person, just be like, mm, I'm gonna step away for a little bit because someone's too nice for me. Get out of here with that BS. No, it's because you know that he could bring some tough competition. I'm not even saying if it is BS, but I'm Palms is that type of person too. I kill everybody, right? right. And so. Why not go up for the challenge if you say this? But no, someone's too nice, so you don't want to face the number one contender in the division? I don't know. Yeah, I couldn't tell you. It's, I, I think it's a lot of that. I think he definitely probably is a little worried, and I think he wants a title shot right away. I think he just – if he's going to fight he – if he's going to go up to middleweight, he wants a middleweight title right away. If he's staying at welterweight, he wants a welterweight title right away. Whether, like, I don't think he deserves it yet either, but whether you think he deserves it or not, it's like, that's what he wants. And that's what he's probably going to get. He didn't make weight, so I don't think it's fair. And he really hasn't proved, he proved himself against a Kevin Holland who didn't train for him. A Gilbert Burns who's on the back end of his career. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And I mean, Gilbert Burns even... It, some people argue that Gilbert won that fight. That was not an easy win for Hamza whatsoever. I mean, he fully got tested. And the thing is, if that was five rounds, I would have burned just because of his cardio. Because we don't know Hamza's cardio. We don't know how well it is. 
and I just it's just it's such a it's such a hard it's such a hard situation because what just what does he do and I want to hear your thoughts on this um his coach said that Hamza likes going out to 170 he just doesn't like cutting the weight well a lot of fighters don't like cutting the weight I mean it's part of the sport it's part of MMA that's what happens so what do you think about him saying that yeah even Sean O'Malley said that he's going to uh that he was going to go to featherweight because he was tired of being a bantamweight right like it's it's funny you know it's really up to the fighter so why do fighters cut weight that's that's the question you have to ask the main reason fighters cut weight is so they can be as big as they can compared to their competition so you want to be if you're naturally you know a light heavyweight walking around not training you want to try to get yourself to middleweight or welterweight so you're not you know, just an average Joe at light heavyweight fighting guys who were heavyweights that cut down the light heavyweight. Yeah. So it's it's really up to Hamza. And, you know, he could – Volkanovsky, for example, has proven himself a worthy featherweight. He's always made the weight. He's defending his belt. So if he wanted to bump up to lightweight and fight for another belt, that's cool. But, like, Hamza, bro, stick in a spot and stay there for a bit, dude. Like – yeah. Prove yourself Does, in that division. Yeah, and, I, you know, he probably did struggle to make weight, honestly. But I, it's always like this thing, too. And Hamza's a wrestler, so Hamza, like, he should know how to make weight. But a lot of the times, the wrestlers will kind of take a little longer, maybe a week out of the fight, to cut their weight good. Whereas guys who have just kind of trained MMA or striking, they have to cut weight as soon as camp starts. I don't know what Hamza's deal was, but coming in – eight pounds over it's unacceptable so you know i don't know where he goes but also the the accountability that nobody is taking is ridiculous hamzad's not taking any accountability yes. and his coaches won't take any accountability either who's i mean even dana white's almost like he does dana white is, yeah so that's what i was actually going to ask you is do you think his pay should have been affected by this yes Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, it's, it's, he met six fighters said to fight a fight that they were training for, for a camp and then switches it all up because of one guy cancels a whole press conference and Lee Jing soup because of one guy. It's right. just, I think the pay should have been docked. It's most likely not. I mean, he, he definitely would have gotten performance of the night if it wasn't for the weight miss, but I'm not even sure if it did, but I 1000% think there should have been a cut in the pay. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's kind of sickening. It kind of makes yeah. me a little upset. I'm not going to lie. In case you can't tell my my passion. And like even Charles, for example. His contract, you don't make weight, you're the champ. You got to put out. up that belt. You know, the, the champ has a name and his name is Charles Oliver. Yeah. No, not really yeah. because he didn't make weight. So he's got to be Islam if he wants the belt, you know. So you can think about it however you want. But at the end of the day, weight does matter. And and a lot of newer MMA fans are the ones that are upset about it. And then they're like, oh, you know, all these old MMA fans, why do they care about weight so much? Because it's very important to the sport. It's it's a part of the foundation of the sport. I mean, literally. If if there if there is no weight classes and there is no um discipline or standard to make your weight, 
And it would be a very different sport we're watching. So there's I mean, I can Francis talk about on the top of everyone. If there's no weight classes, there's just <laughs> right. a hand like kickboxing everyone. Right. And yeah. I could talk about weight all day and especially with the Hamzat situation. But I mean, in terms of Hamzat's career, I don't know where he's going. Um, He'll find success either way. He's going to be mean, good. And he's going to be yeah. good for a long time. I It's what's going to happen. I, I don't see him losing anytime soon. And that worries me especially if he does want to come fight my boy Izzy because yeah. I mean, that's it. It's a hard fight for Izzy. That's a yes. hard fight for Izzy uh, if that's what happens. But on a better, lighter note, the main event, the fight that should have happened, the fight that should have been booked. Yes. Tony Ferguson got to fight Nate Diaz. Tori, I'll just throw it over to you right away. What did you make about this fight? I didn't really make much of this fight, to be honest. It was one of the most confusing fights I have ever seen in my life. I mean, you just had two guys, like, kind of messing around in there. Um, I mean, it was an awesome fight. It was something I wanted to see, but it's something I wanted to see a couple years earlier. Um, I had mentioned this to you before. For me, it was almost a little uncomfortable to watch. Not as much Nate Diaz, but Tony looked awful completely awful this fight he looked old and he looked worn down and people were saying in the press week that he looked great he looked like the old tony yeah that's what we've been saying for the past four fights four or five fights i mean it was it was sad okay this is no disrespect to nate diaz whatsoever at all but if tony gets submitted and beat by nate diaz decisively there is absolutely no way he can compete with the top of the division in any way mm, class it's a great point there i mean it's he's like well i learned a lot from this fight yeah you can learn a lot but your body's your body's learning less like you're just getting you're getting beat and it it gets to a point where like you we had mentioned this before in the first podcast and this was this was your thing you said you want to retire from the sport you don't want the sport to retire you and that's what we're seeing right now with tony ferguson and it's sad but on the happy note Nate Diaz got a submission win in the fourth round at 2.09. How insane was that? I mean, I was alone in my room and I was like, no way. Like I was freaking out. I mean, Nate Diaz, what an icon. That man just doesn't care. And I love it. I absolutely love that he just doesn't care. What, what did you think of this fight? You know, I feel like the MMA gods have been so mean to Nate Diaz. They've hated him. They've, They've thrown everything they could at Nate Diaz. Yeah. And they finally said, you know what, Nate? I'm going to give you one. Let's oh, give you one, Nate. Yeah. And they gave him they gave him one in tenfold, man. They they said, you know what? You ain't got to you, – you don't got to fight Hamzat. Go fight Tony. And by the way, kill him. Make him look yeah. silly. And that's what they did, man. And Tony looked great. You know, onto your – or Nate. Nate looked great. Onto your Tony point, though. Tony did not look good. And it's not even like he was out of shape, which he was, but like his striking, he's just like shooting every shot. What is he? I don't know what his strikes were. And turning his back multiple countless amount of times per round. What's he doing? What? Yeah. Honestly, what was he doing? And like, even when his coaches were talking to him, they were like telling him things that a coach should never have to tell their fighter in between rounds and in, in a UFC fight. Like yeah, ever. at this level of competition. And I'm like, Tony, bro, you were at one time thought that you might end up being one of the best. And, like, if you're seeing how you are right now, like, 
Like, I thought, so at the end of the fight, they were so happy. And I'm like, you know what? Tony's going to retire. Nate's late. Nate's done with this contract. It's going to be a fairy tale ending. Yeah. Did Tony take off his gloves? No. He's picking up Joe Rogan. That's what happened. He he wasn't retiring. And I was pretty upset about it because I would have loved to see Tony retire that night. That would have been a great send off. And yeah. I don't know about Tony, but. But back to Nate, Nate's a dog, dude. He is, first percent. off, Nate fought great. People, did, yeah. so I had never watched a Nate Diaz fight as a live fight um, as a newer fan to the sport. But I watched a lot of his fights before the fight. Yeah. And a lot of people are like, man, Nate looked bad, Nate looked bad. If you think Nate looked bad, that's how Nate's always fought. Nate has al- yeah. Nate always has fought like that. That's that's how he fights. Maybe he was a little slower. Maybe but that, cardio, just comes, that comes with age, you know. Yeah, that, maybe his cardio wasn't there as much. But besides that, how Nate strikes and how Nate just handled himself that whole fight—that's what you get from Nate every time. That's what you got from Nate when fight. he beat Connor. That's the same yeah. Nate Diaz that beat Conor McGregor. Like it's yeah. the it's the same same yeah. Nate Diaz. Just maybe a little slower, but yeah, it was. I was very happy to see Nate walk off the way he yeah. did. And, uh, hey, I wish him success in whatever he does. Yeah. And the one thing I say that was kind of hurting me that Tony was having success in was those calf kicks. Wow. I don't even know if my – I can't even imagine being Nate. My eyes couldn't take any more of that. I was like, oh, oh, because I played soccer for a while, and I kind of know – I have a very little taste of what that feels like. doesn't feel great. And it's – people were kind of being Nate up for that, but that's what Connor did in their fight. I mean, Nate has a wide boxing stance. It's what he does. And – but that was kind of the one area Tony had a little success in. But something I do want to touch on is how big Tony's reactions were and how many times Nate pressured him against the fence and just started going after him. But I had some questions. I want to know your thoughts. I don't know if you noticed this, but a lot of times when Nate had clips Tony, he just kind of walked back and let him come back to him. He didn't really go for the finish. I was a little confused over that, but I want to know what your thoughts were. No, he definitely did. That's, that's a good point. Honestly, I don't know what I don't know what Diaz is doing. Diaz has never been known as a knockout guy, right? Yeah. So maybe it's like maybe it's he knows he's not gonna get the knockout, or maybe like he seemed pretty close a couple times. Though. Yeah, my thing is maybe he just wanted the fight to go a little longer. Maybe he just wanted to stick it in there with Tony in his last fight in the card a little longer, and he's like, I'm not gonna finish him yet. And then that's what I was kind of thinking as I was watching, because I'm like, there's so many opportunities. Like there's like five times where Nate had him press against the fence about to finish. And then I was like biting my nails and Nate just walked back and I'm like, huh, okay. The other thing was Nate really wasn't that tired. I mean, I was, I'm not Nate Diaz, so I can't say, but he was playing. You think when he had his hands on the cage and he's doing the little sidekick that he was exhausted. No, he's trolling. He was playing with his food, right? Like, like that's all Nate was doing. So, I, I agree. He probably could have ended it a little quicker, but he, I felt like he was just dragging it out. I don't know. That's my only answer. That's a good question, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was probably just Nate Diaz, but I was just, I was watching it. I was like, huh, but I 1,000% agree. I mean, it's his last fight in the UFC. He probably wanted to let it go out a little bit. I was hoping, though, in the um, post-fight interview, I was praying we'd get an iconic Nate quote. He kind of did, but kind of didn't. But, um, I mean... I'm excited to see what he does in the future with Real Fight Inc. and maybe boxing Jake Paul. Who knows? I'm excited. Nate Diaz is going to get views. He's going to have fans no matter what or no matter how old he is. Yeah. When he was talking about Hamza in his post-conference interview, 
That was the funniest thing to me where he's like, you rookie, bleep, 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 bleep. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude. Nate is so funny. Like that was actually, that made my night because I watched it still. I couldn't sleep. Uh, So I stayed up and watched the conference, but that was funny. That Yo, UFC 279 turned into what was going to be a pretty rough card to a very good card. Even the prelim fights, you know, we we don't have to talk about it, but our boy Barnett. Yeah. One of the best heavyweight fights I've ever watched in my life, dude. He came um, back and got the win. That man. Those hammer fists. Imagine taking one of those to the school and I'm that good. many. But even worse, imagine getting flipped on. Imagine being that octagon mat. Like, I'm like, I just, like, that man, he's such an exciting new contender for the fans and for people to watch. And he's just such a cool dude. And he's very, very entertaining to watch. I mean, he's always a joy. And I'm happy he got the win. And I'm happy we got to see his post-fight celebration. Yeah, for sure. He uh he 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 should be moving his way up. There's not a lot of movement in heavyweight right now, so he uh he should yeah. try to capitalize on some opportunities. I would like to see him fight Derek Lewis. <laughs> I think that'd be you know good. What? I think one more fight, I think he could get there. No, nah, I mean I he's he not he's there. not even ready there. <laughs> yeah, he's not even top fifteen, I don't think. But I think yeah. that'd be a fire fight. That would be. I mean they're like the, the they're like the same person. Yeah, 1,000%. I want to see Derek do one of those flips. I'm dying. That would be awesome. I'd like to I mean, see Derek combined. win or retire. Yes. Yes. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, well. that's another thing. I didn't want to say that, but yeah. yeah. Like, it's bad. It's another dude, one of those. If you're just going to keep losing, can you just get out, you know? Yeah. But uh, it is definitely another one of those things. But anyway, let's talk about fight night. I, I always – it's like – they call them, they actually number these things, you know, that's like Vegas sometimes 59. I sometimes I don't. This is UFC 60, I believe. 60? Yes. There you go. I'm just <laughs> going to call it Fight Night, San yeah. Hagen versus Yodong. Yes. Is that cool? That's yep. cool. But uh, yeah, let's get into that. We don't talk about the early prelims on our pay-per-view card podcast. These ones, we're not talking about prelims. We're not going to talk about prelims on a fight night card because those guys are like, they don't deserve. They're not worthy yet. They're not worthy for not your everyday. <laughs> themselves. Now, obviously, if any of you guys would like to come on for an interview, because <laughs> we're desperate to try to get interviews. But <laughs> besides that. Other than that. Um, yeah, we're not going to talk about your fights. But we will talk about the main card. Um, so let's do that. So first fight is Anthony Hernandez versus Mark Andre Barral or Barial Tori. What do you think about this fight? I mean, so we have Hernandez. He's a good grappler. Grappler. He's a good grappler. He has solid takedown defense. Um, he's an okay striker, not the best. And then we have Barial, who's very well rounded. He has very solid kickboxing, good takedowns. Pretty okay Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um. When he is standing, he does tend to wear his opponents down on the feet. And, yeah, he, he does have a 68% takedown average. So, this fight, um, Hernandez, in order, if he wants to get the win, he's going to have to keep it on the floor. He's going to have to kind of go back to what he's used to. Um, I just don't think he can stand with Barry Alt. And so, that said, I, I'm i going to choose Barry Alt. I'm going to say by – I'll say by decision – I don't think Hernandez will be very successful taking him down or holding him there. 
And I just think Barry all, he just, he's constantly pressing forward, constantly throwing at you. And I just think he's overall the more well-rounded fighter. And so that's going to be my pick on the first fight of the main card. Yeah. So Tori, I actually lied to you. So before the podcast, I told you I picked Mark, uh, but I didn't. I read my notes wrong. So um, great breakdown because I would agree with a lot of the things you said. So looking at Anthony, you mentioned he's a good grappler, and I think he has really, really good cardio. He's got that BJJ black belt. His last fight, he had eight takedowns and a very impressive 11 minutes of control time. And he he averages 5.39 takedowns a fight. He also isn't a bad striker, but he definitely likes his fights on the ground. Mark Andre, very good kickboxer, has good Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but overall, just is a good MMA fighter. And I think that's a solid point. He has really good volume, averages 5.79 strikes per minute. He's coming off a submission win versus Jordan Wright, where he gave up two takedowns, and then he got the submission. Yeah. Why is my Mac not charging? I don't know. I'm going to charge my Mac real quick. I don't know if it's not plugged in or what, but I do not want it to die. No problem. But I can keep discussing, but... um. No, yeah. just don't talk. I'll, I'll cut it out. I'll cut it out. I'll fix it. I'll fix it. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, oh, I'm going to have to come in here and edit. Ugh. So, anyway, I'm not editing this. I'm keeping it in because I don't want to come back and edit it. That's how we roll. So, Mark yes. Andre... <laughs> Uh, overall is a very good fighter and I probably, I is the better fighter here. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've just seen him taken down too much recently in his last fights. And overall, I think Anthony is a better wrestler and a better jiu-jitsu guy. So I am going to take Hernandez here strictly off of that. But if this fight does stay on the feet, I can see, uh, Mark getting a decision win, maybe even a knockout. And even if it does go to the ground, I'm not saying it's Hernandez game. He's only because he does have that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in his background, but I am going to go Hernandez here. Yeah, and this really is another one of those pick pick em fights. I mean, stays on the ground, I would probably go for Hernandez. It stays on the feet, I'm going to go with Burial. But, I mean, I think I'm going to go with the underdog here. I think I'm going to stay with Mark andre I think – I don't know. I think I think he might be able to keep standing, and if not, he does have some pretty solid – Jiu-jitsu, um, and we'll just we'll see if he can get back up and take the win. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think you said it made a good point about kind of a pick em fight. Because a lot of these fights are kind of pick em fights, which they I love. Are. So yeah. um, but yeah, you know, it could it could definitely go either way. The next fight is Tanner Bozer versus Rodrigo Nascimento Fiera. Yes. I think I pronounced those right. So, uh, Tori, give me your breakdown on this uh, this heavyweight bout. Yeah, I mean, so we have Bozer. He's 28-1, and 11-1 knockouts, 2-0 and o submissions, 3-2 and two in his last five fights. And then we have Nascimento, who is 9-1, 3-1 with not with knockouts, 6-0 no submissions, and 4-1 and one in his last five fights. So we have Bozer, who is such a fun guy kind of to have in the heavyweight division. He has solid hands. He's a fun striker. He is smaller for the weight class, um, but he just is very athletic and he holds great power. And then we have Nascimento, who has been had a year layoff. He actually, I believe, was it? I'm not sure if it was his last fight, but he was tested positive for. I'm gonna. I wrote this down. I'm not for sure if I'm saying it right, but 
ritalinic acid metabolite of the band stimulant meth fidate. I'm not even sure if I said that right, but it's illegal in MMA, and he got suspended for a while for Can't it. Can't do that. Yeah, no, you cannot. Bad and so, boy, Rodrigo. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad, bad guy. I mean, and I mean, there's just some stuff. Where I'm like, why do you do that? Anyways, you know you're gonna get in trouble. Moving on. Besides the bad stuff, he is a very aggressive striker. He's a good grappler. He has very solid submissions when he does get it to the ground. But he doesn't want to keep it standing because if he does keep it standing, he's going to get pulled into a dogfight that he might not necessarily want to be pulled into with Bozer. And then his path to victory is going to be the grappling. He is a forward grappler. He's constantly moving forward. And his advantage is going to be his grappling and his size difference because he is quite larger than Bozer. And then he was on Dana White Contender Series in 2019. Um, That's how he kind of got his path into here. And yeah, I mean... I, this is kind of also another pick em fight. Um, I don't know. Bozer's only been finished once. Most of his losses are by decision. He did lose to Arlovsky by unanimous decision in 2020 and also lost to Cyril Gaon in 2019. So I don't... I think I might go Nascimento for this one. I think I might go Nascimento by submission, by finish. I'm going to go second round finish. Not sure if it would be by knockout or if it's going to be by submission, but I think I'm going to go with, with the tested positive here for this there one. You yeah, you uh, you took a lot of my points, uh, my key points in this fight, which yeah. is good. Good breakdown. Um, And I think a good point you made is Rodrigo gets into these brawls, and it's really never good for him. But yeah. the thing is, he likes to stay on the feet, and he, he likes does. to stay aggressive on the feet. And that's kind of my issue, which if he does take this fight to the ground, it's going to be an easy dub for him. But Bozer's no joke. I mean, obviously, yes, yeah. like you said, he's fun, but he's a very powerful striker. And it's weird, too, because we've seen Tanner struggle with pressure before, um, but he did really good in his last fight. So assuming that Nazimento wants to stay on the feet, because I just – Tanner's key to success not, yeah. is to get a knockout. That's yeah. how he's going to win. So, assuming Tanner's looking for a knockout in a heavyweight fight and he gets into a brawl, Rodrigo, I think, will want to stay there. I don't see him level changing for a shot. I don't see him getting into a clinch and trying to take him down. So, I'm going to go Tanner. But this is a really hard pick for me again yeah. because I love my wrestlers. But what I don't love is – my guys who like to get in the brawls and that's what they want to do. Kind of like Hamzat or Hamzat and his fight with Gilbert Burns, obviously a really good wrestler. Just take him to the ground, but he wanted to keep brawling with him and it was fine, but that was kind of his thing. So with that, I'm going to take Bowser, but it's a really, really hard pick for me and I'm not confident on it. I don't know if we have any people who bet on fights. Um, I wouldn't recommend betting on this fight or the last fight or any of these fights. Yeah, I'm really not confident in a lot of my picks, but I am going to go with Bozer here. Yeah, I mean, you made a really good point about how Nascimento tends to not really use his ground game. I'm really hoping he does because that will 1,000% be his key to success in this fight. I mean, he could get the finish easily on the ground. Um, So hoping that he does take it to the ground, um, I'm still going to go him, but I'm 50-50 on this one. It's just yeah, it's, a it's, really, it's another one. It really depends on how it goes. Yeah, it really does. So on to the next fight, we have Andre Feely 
versus Bill Algeo. Cool name. Uh, Tori, give me your breakdown for this fight. Alrighty. So, wait, we are doing really quick. We were doing Pfeiffer versus Amadovsky? Did I pass? Did I, yeah, that's what we're doing. Oh, so, we're going to do Alan Amadovsky versus Joseph Pfeiffer. That's the next fight. Tori, give me a breakdown on that fight. Perfect. Right, we have Pfeiffer, who is 9-2-0, 6-1 with knockouts. Also, this fight is in the middleweight division. Forgot to mention that. Pfeiffer, 9-2-0, 6-1 knockouts, 2-0 submissions, 3-2 in his last five fights. And then we have Amadovsky, who is 8-3, 8-1 with knockouts, 0-1 submissions, 3-2 in his last fights. So, Pfeiffer's last fight, he had a win by round two knockout against Ozzy Diaz on the Dana White Contender Series. And then... Amadovsky's last fight, we he has a loss to Joseph Holmes by round one submission. So this is going to be an absolute banger. I'm excited for this fight. This is going to be a striking match. We have Amadovsky, who was undefeated before the UFC. Now I believe he is on a three-fight lose streak in the organization. So he was doing great, entered the UFC, not doing as good. But, I mean, he's a powerful striker. He chases... The knockout, he is kind of a fighter who is a knockout or nothing. So I believe right. this fight is going to end in a finish. No matter who gets it, I think it's going to be an early finish. Um, Piper, very, very powerful. Uses pressure to kind of break his opponents. He is solid takedown, solid ground game. Um, Just such a heavy, heavy hitter. And he was also in the Dana White Contender Series. And he's another person that looks for a finish. So I'm going to go with Piper. I just think, I think he's going to be able to clip him. Um. I don't know. Amadovsky just has not been looking great in his last couple of fights. He was undefeated, but I think he's going to get the finish in this one. There we go. Um, yes, on to the Allen Pfeiffer fight. That's the one we're doing. Uh, you know, I think you make a lot of good points, Tori. Number one, looking at Allen, dude's a headhunter. It's what he does. He's okay. got a lot of power. He's got that knockout power. Uh He's not a good grappler either. So it's, you know, his key to win is definitely get that knockout. He's got three losses in the UFC. One by submission, one by knockout, one by decision. He's got yeah. all three ways you can lose. He's got them besides like a DQ. Um, looking at Pfeiffer, he suffered an injury in his first Dana White Contender Series fight. Uh, in, like, in a, I think it was a bad dislocated. His, so he was actually slammed. He dislocated his arm. Yeah. Crazy stuff. And then he came back in, like, this past July, like, late July, he came back and got a uh, TKO. Super powerful striker, likes to chase the head. Also averages 2.73 takedowns a fight. But, I mean, I think Joe's a more powerful striker here. If he needs to, he can take down Allen. If worse comes to worse, because Allen's really got a big hole in his wrestling game. Obviously, Allen's live for a knockout at any time. But I think Joe is better as long as he had enough time to recover. Because that's a, that's another one of these quick turnaround times. You know, late July to now, you know, dude could still might be hungover for all I know. So yeah. hopefully he got enough recovery time. But I'm going to go with Joe here as well. Yeah, and I'm not sure when this was. I don't know if it was his last fight or two fights ago. Piper also actually tested positive for something. Um, prohibited metabolite modulators and was suspended for nine months by the Nevada State Commission. I'm not sure when that was, but just just to mention that on why he did have that layoff for a little bit. So that is definitely a little thing. But um, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go Piper here. I, I think he can land it and I, I think he's going to finish 
Orlovsky and add another knockout to his unfortunately losing streak. Yeah, I like Pfeiffer here too. Uh, any you know MMA fighters listening, don't do drugs. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't do. You get to fight more. Yeah. <laughs> don't do drugs. Not a great look on you. So, yeah. no, no, just a little bit of advice. <laughs> just a little tip to help you in the future. You know. That's so, about all I can give you. I can't really yeah. give you anything else, but I can tell you not to do drugs. <laughs> yeah. So on. Point. Yeah, on to the next fight that I tried to do early, Andre Feely. Versus Bill Algio, a really cool name. Tori, yes. give me a breakdown on this fight. So this is going to be a featherweight fight, and right off the bat, it's going to be very competitive. We have Philly, who is 29 and 0, 9 and 3 with knockouts, 3 and 2 with submissions, 1 and 4 in his past five fights. Last fight was a loss by a round one knockout to Brito, and then we have Algio, 16 and 6, 4 and 0 in knockouts, 6 and 2 submissions, 3 and 2 in his last fights, and then I believe 1 and four in his last five fights i'm so yeah um first off we have feely he has fought kind of everyone i mean he is lost to holloway he's lost the ira rodriguez he's lost to cater mm-hmm. he's lost to michael johnson he's also yusuf and he's also lost to mitchell all these over the time a long time span because this man was in the ufc since 2013 so he did fight Hallway in his second fight. And then he has wins over Charles Jordan, which was his last one, I believe, in 2020. Moraes, who was in 2019. Bermudez, 2018. Benitez, 2015. And Larson, 2013. This man is a veteran. He has fought everyone. He's fought every style. And then we have Algio, who was a Cage Warriors champion. But in 2019, he was on Dana White Contender Series. But he did lose. And so for this fight... I think I'm going to go Algio by decision. I don't think he's necessarily going to knock Feely out, but I just think he's a faster-paced striker. He has a very interesting karate-style stance. He has high output, good defense. He's kind of a dirty boxer. He's BJJ black belt. He's durable, and he's always moving forward. And then we have Feely, who has fought better competition. He's very well-rounded, but he hasn't had the best matchmaking in his career. He is pretty good at wrestling but he does get hit often and he relies on his chin a lot which is starting to fade so i think we can go algio by decision yeah i agree you know you talk about uh andre averages two takedowns a fight good well-rounded guy like you said he's a team alpha male guy uh had a lot of hard fights in the ufc uh then you look at bill fast striker great cardio good defense has almost like six strikes per minute uh, BJJ black belt, and he's been a beast pretty recently. Um, Algeo's the pick. Great speed, great cardio. Feel like it's gonna get to Andre. I don't know. I feel bad for Andre. Um, because I really think UFC threw him into the dogs. He was supposed to be, you know, Team Alpha Male's next guy. You know, like they're yeah. like this is gonna be our next champ right here. And their UFC was like, okay, prove it. And he struggled. And, you know, obviously there is something to be said about guys who fought a lot of good competition and lost and then can beat a guy like Bill Algeo. Yeah. But there's also something to be said about a guy who's lost a lot of fights to really good guys, and it really does something to them. It hurts hurts their self-esteem, makes them a little worse of a fighter, too, just by the damage they've taken in. And... There is something to be said about, you know, your Amanda Nunes situations, your Kamaru Usman situations, where you win for so long that you got to lose to get one back. 
But when you just lose and lose and lose and lose, it's like hard to get that motivation. Um, so I mean, I don't have much to say on this fight, but I'm going Algeo. Good speed, good cardio, fast striker. Yeah. And I do want to correct myself on one thing. I did say one in four. I did not mean to say one in four. I reread my other one. He is um, three and two in his last five fights. That was my bad. Two fight, one streak. So doing a lot better than I said. But yeah, he definitely, he's just younger. He's quicker. He's definitely newer up and like newer contender. And so I don't know. It's just these older guys. Once again, they're just in the sport for so long when sometimes they shouldn't be in the sport anymore. So, I mean, I mean, we'll see. It'll be interesting, but I'm going to go all Gio. There you go. Next fight, co-main event of the Sanhagen-Yadong fight night card, UFC 60, Vegas 60, whatever you want to call it. Um, we got Chidi Najen Kawani. I believe that's a hard name. Najen Kawani. Najen Kawani. Yeah. That's how you say it. <laughs> Versus Gregory Rodriguez. Rod- yeah, right? Gregory. Yes. So, Tori, who do you have in this fight? Um, For this fight, fight i have i believe it's nguani and nguani you know what i'm gonna say cheaty i have cheaty <laughs> by i said round two knockout i mean he is 22 and 7 14 and three knockouts one and three with submissions and four and one in his last fights these two kind of have fairly similar records and we have rodriguez 12 and four seven and two with knockouts three and oh with submissions four and one in his last five fights so Rodriguez is a heavy grappler and Chidi's a heavy striker. And that's kind of their strong points. He's on a four fight. Chidi's on a four fight win streak. He fought in Bellator for a couple of years when I was on in a white contender series in 2021. And then we have Rodriguez who last loss was by split decision. He was on Dana White contender series in 2020, but he did lose. And he is the former LFA champion and I believe he is on a little bit of a win streak as well right now. And so both of these fighters are amazing, but I'm, I just, I think Chidi is just going to kind of out output Rodriguez. I mean, he hits very hard. He's a good striker. He has speed and power on his side, moves very well. Um, he, people always have a hard time getting to him. And I just think he's going to outstrike him in general. Rodriguez has good volume. He's well-rounded. He's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, good takedown defense, but he likes to keep the fight on the feet. And then he is very big with power and strength. And if he wants to work in takedowns, I think he can get the win. But his biggest thing is how slow he moves. He moves a little sluggish. I think that's going to be the big difference. And so because of that, I'm going to go cheaty. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go cheaty by round two, finish. Whatever yeah, very good breakdown. You know, you mentioned Chidi striking. Uh, he has really good footwork is something that I noticed in watching a lot of his fights, and that has something to say about his fast pi- fast-paced striking style. Um, on top of that, he hits really hard. Another good thing, you know, he helps keep his fights on the feet, averages 76% uh, takedown defense. Uh, you know, looking at Gregory, very accurate striker. Uh Throws with a lot of power. Uh, BJJ Black Belt has a hundred percent takedown defense. Yes, but your biggest critique is my biggest critique. He's mm-hmm. slow, and not only that, but he kind of wears himself out. And that's gonna be with anybody who throws with the intention to always knock out. If that's how you're throwing your strikes, you will wear yourself out. So on top of him wearing himself out, he's also very slow. Um, whereas Chidi, 
has great cardio, and he's still a really hard striking guy, and he's fast. Yes. So it makes it, yeah. it it makes it an easy pick for me. Now the odds are a lot closer. Um, yeah, the odds are negative one twenty five to uh positive one hundred five, which is kind of it's a pick 'em, right? Yes, but to me, I I think it's a pretty pretty simple fight to go with uh Nijen Kawani here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just think he's a lot better. Obviously, if Gregory can get him to the ground, it's over. He he will win by wrestling yeah. by Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He'll get a submission. Don't think it's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, he does have great takedown defense, and he also has pretty pretty okay ground game so maybe you never know he could wiggle out of it if he does get taken down but overall i think the better fighter is going to be cheaty yeah 100 percent. on to our main event a fight that i'm pretty excited for tori i think this will be well. fight of the night um which is fitting for you know the fight night main event yeah. but uh we got Corey sanhagen for song yadong tori give me your breakdown your final prediction I am very excited for this fight just because Corey Sanhagen is one of my favorite bantamweights and one of my favorite fighters. And then he's also fighting Song Yudong, who is a newer, upcoming, very, very young, not even newer upcoming. But he's just so young. It's crazy. That he's had this many fights. 24. record. That is insane. And so we have Sanhagen, who's 14 and four, six no with knockouts, three of submissions, and then two and three in his last five fights. Then we have Yudong, who is 19 and six, which he is almost way younger than Corey, and he has a lot more fights on his record, which is insane. Eight and one with knockouts, three and no submissions, and four and one in his last five fights. I mean, he's on a three-fight win streak. He has a win against Cheeto Vera in 2020, a win against Phillips in 2021, and Ars in 2021 as well. His last loss, or his last loss, sorry, not to Phil, his last loss was to Phillips by unanimous decision. And I mean, he's one of the youngest fighters on the roster. He, and it's just, it's crazy that he just has held this many fights at this age. Most, some people that we see, like Cyril Gons, doesn't even have that many fights, and he's fighting for a title. But, I mean, there are two strikers. It's going to be an exciting fight no matter what. Um, and they are two of the most exciting fighters in the division. We have Corey Sanhagen, good cardio, very active with power, very fast and fluid, throws very good combos, athletic and tough. Championship quality, I mean, it is sad because – we did see him lose to that interim title belt against Piotr, Piotr Jan last year in Abu Dhabi, but that was such a close fight. Props to him. He did take that on short notice. He also did lose to TJ Dillashaw, which I personally don't agree with, but that's a whole another situation. Um, but, I mean, Corey Sanhagen, no matter his record, he's an amazing dude. Um, he does have the height and reach advantage by a good amount, and I just I think his movement's going to be a big problem for Yudong. I mean, Yudong, good technical striker, also moves fast, is athletic, hits very hard for his size. 50% of his wins are by knockout and he does have the power advantage in the striking, but he doesn't fight like an experienced fighter. He doesn't fight like the experienced fighter Corey is N doesn't have great submission defense, which Sanhagen does have the capability to take it on the ground. He does have some submissions on his record. Um, and he leaves a lot of openings for him to be hit. Um, so, I mean, I'm, Overall, I don't think it's going to be a finish. I, I'm going to go with Sanhagen by decision. Um, some things I am a little bit nervous is when Corey fights someone who is similar to him. He kind of, it takes him a while to get into it. So I'm scared he might lose a couple of the first rounds and then really start to pick up on the later ones just because he has that five-round championship experience. But overall, I just think he's cleaner. And I just, I think he's more well-rounded. So I'm going to go Sanhagen. 
There you go. Good breakdown, Tori. You know, Corey uh, is just a tough fighter. I mean, he's, he's just a, dog, a tough yeah. dude. Uh, and he's got some tough losses. Piotr Jan, TJ Dillashaw, Aljamain Sterling. Um, he's got really deceiving power. Throws a lot of different combos, like you said. Good strikes, good leg kicks. Uh, likes to keep pressure. Not crazy volume striking all the time, though. Um, he also has BJJ when he wants to use it. You look at Song yeah. Yudong, fast, athletic, technical striker. Throws punches, and he likes to look for a knockout a lot. Uh, he's got a win over Cheeto Vera, like you said. Three-fight win streak. Lost to Kyler Phillips, and he lost to Kyler Phillips by wrestling. Um, yeah. And, you know, the Matrix, obviously, very good wrestler. Um, but he did lose by wrestling in that fight. He's 24 years old. It's crazy. That's crazy. He still has so much time. Yeah. Too. And, Tori, this is a hard fight to pick. It's very hard. Because yeah. I can see the upset here. I can, I can see Song winning. He's got a lot of power. He strikes mm-hmm. really fast. It, it, I mean, if it goes to decision, who throws more punches, right? Like, I don't yeah. know if I see Corey throwing more punches than Song does. Uh, Corey doesn't get finished. So no. I, I think Song's key to win is by knockout. <sighs> but yeah, that Corey's only been finished once by submission by Aljo. The champ. He doesn't get finished, right? So yeah, no. it's tough. Never but, know though. I mean, could get cracked. MMA, yeah. so you never know. But I don't know. Probably. I am. I am gonna pick Song Yudong here. Uh, I Ooh. think if it does go the distance, I I can see. I will see Corey winning it. But dude, Song Yudong's no joke. And you mentioned how many fights he already has on his fighting career. You know, and you talk about a guy like Corey who has five round experience. I mean, you could argue Song Yudong's got more experience than. Corey Sanhagen yeah. in a sense that he's fought more, not that he has the UFC experience yeah. that Corey does because he doesn't. Yeah. But yeah. my my big thing here is I can see Song Yudong fighting a lot like Piotr Jan, whereas like yeah. they kind of have a lot of the same style of fighting on how they strike, except Song Yudong's younger and has more power. So that's why I'm picking Song Yudong. I think that Corey is a way better striker Definitely overall a better MMA fighter, but in this fight, I am gonna take Song Yudong. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna. I don't know. I'm gonna have to disagree with you on that one. I mean, you can have multiple fights under your record, but can you have multiple fights that match up to you fighting TJ Dillashaw for five rounds, Piotr Jan no. for five I mean, rounds? I mean, I agree. Sterling. I agree. It's just it's it's it is a very hard fight to pick. I mean, I also think a key for Corey is to take it down to the ground. I yeah, I mean. Not mm-hmm. great submission defense, and I think he could get a win on the ground. Corey, Corey can finish him in multiple ways if he wanted to. Yudong's been finished before. It's on his record. And so I think he can get it done. I don't necessarily think Song's going to knock Corey out. Um, if The only thing that scares me if it does go to decision, I said I might have Corey by decision, is Corey can be a slow starter, like I said previously, especially with people of similar style. So it takes him a while to get that timing right, to get in those combos and just kind of get flown around and get his movement back. But, I mean – he uses that space between him and his opponents very well, and he's just bigger. And I, yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm. I think this is going to be my locked pick of the night. One locked pick of the night is Corey. Yeah, you know it's a hard pick for me to pick. Um, Yudong. Yeah, I just it's a, think it's a hard. Yeah, he is the the trend in UFC right now has been guys that are really hot, young, dominate. 
and I think that's kind of your dog. And I think Corey's really good. And it kind of upsets me because I really like Corey. Hot take, I do actually think that TJ Dalshaw did beat him, but don't hate me in the that's comments because okay. most people okay. do not. It depends like that on how you, it depends on how you score fights. Sure. It, sure. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a, it was a hard fight to choose. But either way, Corey's tough. I mean, that's that's my biggest thing about him. He's tough on top of his great combos and his deceiving power. You know, he looks like he might just be throwing a regular one, but that one might knock you. So I don't know, but I am going to go with Song Yudong here. Um, yeah. Now, quick question. What does the UFC do with the winner of this fight? Bro, that's a great question. So looking at Corey Sanhagen, he is currently fourth um, in the standings, and Song Yudong is 10th. So a win over Corey, I think, would be pretty big. Um Almost like know. the Hamzat versus Burn situation. Yeah, for sure. I don't know where you send him though. Like, there's a lot of openings now. She, I mean, we have TJ versus Aljo for the title, Piotr versus Sean. I think Cheeto and Marab are waiting to fight the winner or losers of those fights. So I think maybe the loser of any of those fights is going to take this one. I mean, you never know. Yeah, but I, I definitely, I mean, the thing is, Tori, and I was going to get to this, is if Song Yudong loses, not worried at all. If no. he loses to Corey Sanhagen, I can still see Song Yudong being champ one day, depending yeah. on how he plays out in his career. And so, even if he loses in like a, I always say this, even if he loses, it's a very competitive fight. He's going to earn the respect of a lot of people. Yep, 100%. Um, so, I, I, you know, this fight doesn't bother me if you're a Song Yudong fan. Uh, he's going to be all right either way, no matter where he goes. Uh, he'll probably stay in the top 15, even if he loses. So, yeah, it's good enough, right? So, yeah. dang, Tori, we disagreed a lot. But this is, no, I yeah. mean, these fight night cards are hard to predict sometimes. They are. Yeah. These are very uh, much how you just watch fight. It's almost like what you enjoy. You know what I mean? It's just with these pick em fights, it's just what you kind of want to see win or what you really think. It's these are these are hard ones to pick. Yeah, they definitely are. <laughs> That's exciting. I like these rather than one-sided. No, I do too. And I like it because I'm not emotionally involved in any of these fighters. Not that I'm not a fan of some of these fighters, um, but it's like, you know, it's not like Francis Nagano or uh, Cyril Gondras tied to Ivasa where I'm like, oh my gosh, this hurts my heart. I like Corey Sanhagen. I like Song Yudong. I like them both, but none of them are my favorite fighters. If they're your favorite fighters, let me know in the comments, but for me, it's like I just get to sit back and enjoy all enjoy. these fights that Rest I'm not really – yeah, I'm not emotion. I mean, obviously, I want to be right in my predictions. But besides that, I just want to watch some good fights. So yeah. it's always nice with these fight nights to get that. Tori, we were talking about weights, and I think you were kind of throwing it to me. Um, We're going to talk about our top five weights of all time to wrap it up. And I thought it was a pretty good question – um, so I'll let you go first from five to one for your top five bantamweights of all time. All righty. So at number five, I'm going to have Cody Garbrandt, the first man to figure out Dominic Cruz when he was in his prime, he was on his prime. I mean, knocking out, I believe knocking out TJ Dillashaw. I forgot that was a finish, but yeah, I mean, man was unstoppable. Unfortunately now we'll see, but I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best bantamweights of all time. Number four, I have Piotr Jan. I mean, for a while, this man was, very dominant he still is I mean that loss to Aljo 
some people could argue I think Alja won some people could argue that um that Jan won but I mean also yeah (laughs) but you you could you could argue it either way and I mean this man did dominate the top in the division for a little bit and then so at number three TJ Dillashaw I mean don't love to put him there just because of the whole situation going on but I mean he definitely does deserve to be on the list and then we have number two Renan Burrow I mean this man was almost undefeated for a decade he is a legend kind of the foundation of the division and so him and then at number one we have D Cruz Dominic Cruz I mean the most dominant bantamweight of all time the most tricky bantamweight of all time just one of the best mixed martial artists and one of the most entertaining guys we've ever seen so that's my list Good list, Tori. I have a very, very, very similar list. All the same fighters on my list, just a different order. Cody Garbrandt, one of my favorite fighters of all time. He's in my top five of all time favorite fighters. Um, I I told you this on FaceTime the other day, that when Cody Garbrandt fought Dominic Cruz, in that moment, I think he was the greatest Bantamweight fighter of all time. That he was fighting, spoiler alert, my number one, Dominic Cruz, best Bantamweight of all time, and he's dancing and striking him. Yeah. It was Best band weight of all time in that moment. I just, I love it. Number two, as my boy Sean O'Malley would say, Peter Yan, or as it's supposed to be pronounced, Peter Yan. Uh, I mean, Peter Yan's good. And he's kind of, if you were, if I were to describe a bantamweight, I would kind of describe him like Peter Yan. Yeah, um, he has the best, in my opinion, the best boxing in the sport. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, beautiful. Clean, like, crisp, like boxing. Yeah. Not take boxing, but just, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And at number three, I have Renan Barrow there. Uh, obviously, legend of the weight class and UFC in general. Number yeah. two, I put DJ there. So, like, I really like TJ Dillashaw a lot, too. Um, even though I am a huge Cody Garbrandt fan, so it's kind of interesting, I guess. But it is hard to kind of put him up there because of what's happened. But yeah, despite all of that, he has proven to be great for a long time. And the fact that people still don't really know who they're picking in him in the Aljo fight, at least I don't. I don't. I, I have a very slight pick. Slight. Yeah. It says a lot. It says a lot about him. Um, So I'm going to go TJ2 and then number one, the GOAT, Dominic Cruz First. of the Bantamweight division. I mean, there's not much to say about Cruz. He, he was just so good. Yeah. And just so took people forever until obviously Cody to figure him out. No one could. Yeah. He defeated everyone. Yeah, so that is my top five. Same top five, just switch switch a little bit. And that has been it for episode five of the Not Your Everyday MMA podcast. Tori, where can people listen to the audio-only version of our podcast? People can listen to it on Spotify and now on Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. exciting. So, I mean, if you're not a Spotify user, you should be because I love Spotify. Listen to it on Apple Music. Yes, yes. Yeah, we are on both. And obviously, if you're new here, we appreciate the support. We got a lot of subscribers recently, a lot of views on our last video. Sure, that's probably going to go down on the fight night card, but that's okay. To the ones who stick around, we appreciate you. Um, And yeah, keep showing love, keep commenting. We want to see those. And that has been it for episode five of Not Your Everyday MMA podcast my name is alex henry and i've been with tori havrel thank you guys we are signing off